Hey everybody, this is Brian with Mid-City Vineyard Church. If you want to learn a little bit more about Mid-City Vineyard, you can check us out online, midcityvineyard.org. Check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church, and also on Instagram at Mid-City Vineyard. Hey, we have a uh, new series coming up that we're going to start in a couple of weeks, and it's entitled, I've Always Wondered, and it's really questions about the faith. And so if you have a specific question or questions about the Christian faith that you've always wondered about. No, no questions are off limits. We're going we're gonna to try to tackle these things. And, uh, I'm not going to really tackle them so much as uh, the, the guy who has all the answers. I'm really going to approach these, well, mostly because I don't, uh, but I'm going to approach these questions and give some, some background as to why maybe the church or the Christian faith has put forth some of these thoughts and ideas along the way, but also give alternative uh, ways of thinking about some of the questions that, that people might be asking. So if you have a question that you want to email in, email it over to midcityvineyard at gmail.com and we're going to try to tackle those over the next couple of weeks. This past week, however, our conversation uh, revolved around Pentecost, the day, uh, 50 days after Passover, the day that uh, the Holy Spirit descended upon all of the disciples and filled them with power to, to go about the business that Jesus had invited them and us to be about, which is ultimately seeing that uh, heaven would come here and, and find its place on earth. What does it look like when God rules the earth and how do we live according to the ways of Jesus to really keep making the earth a, a better, more beautiful place? So we entitled this one, Breathe. We'll be in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and we're going to head on over to the conversation now. Thanks, and much peace to you. Last week was Ascension, the day that Jesus ascended into heaven. And then today, traditionally in the church, this is the day known as Pentecost. And uh, there are a couple of passages that I want to look at before we uh, move in to the, the particular text in excuse me sorry the book of acts the first one and if you want to pick up a bible we're going to look at a couple of texts today but there's some bibles right here or you can pull out your um your phone but genesis chapter 2 verse 7 i think that in many ways this sets the sets the the groundwork for us as human beings uh, ultimately in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, what we have are what are known as the creation myths or the creation narratives. Every culture since the beginning of time had their own creation myths. So the book of Genesis is, is not unique. Um, the Babylonians had creation myths. The Egyptians had creation myths. The Assyrians, uh, the Mesopotamians, the, all of the, the ancient people had these these writings and these understandings uh, where they were basically putting together their understanding of where everything came from. And the Hebrews were no different. Uh, apparently, supposedly, maybe Moses penned the book of Genesis. But Moses is in many ways just looking back millions and millions of years and, and kind of cooperating with, with the stories of the day, the oral tradition, and cooperating with what um, Moses particularly thinks the Spirit of God might be saying. And so that's why we call these myths or narratives, stories. 
A myth is not uh, something so much that is not true. It's a, it's a story that has great bearing on what the ultimate truth is, per se. So in the Genesis 1 and 2 narratives, uh, one of the main points that is to be understood is in Genesis chapter 2, verse uh, 7, which is, it says that at this time then, the great divine created human beings. And when God formed human beings, God formed human beings out of the dust of the ground and then breathed into the human being's nostrils the breath of life. And this is when the human being became a living, living being. When the divine breathed life. So in this, in this narrative, the divine fashions a being, which is just dirt and clay, and then <sighs> breathes life into this being. Now, this is really fascinating because the word right here for breathing life or breathing breath is ruach. R-U-A-C-H. It's the Hebrew word, which literally means breath. So it says that the spirit, God breathes spirit. And the words spirit slash breath slash ruach are all the same word. It's a, and this is really important, it's a gender neutral term. So ruach in the Hebrew is gender neutral. It's not masculine. It's not feminine. So many people uh, oftentimes when you hear me pray, when, when I refer to the Holy Spirit, I often use feminine pronouns, he, uh, um, she or her. And there's, there's a reason for, for me personally behind this is because, biblically speaking, we don't believe that the divine God is male or female, but is a gender-neutral being. Now, Jesus Christ in the flesh, Jesus was a human male figure but god spirit is not is not male is not female in the new testament the word spirit is uh, uh translated in the greek pneuma and that actually has more of a feminine uh, uh connotation to it and so i think that you can you know so when i refer to, to the spirit as she or her. That's, that's all doing is because if God is not male and God is not female, then how do we get the best of, of all of God? God is, God is all-encompassing, ultimately gender neutral. And that's true in the scripture. I mean, we see that in the, in the scripture. But the point here being that when God, the divine, creates, God does something very interesting. God breathes spirit. God breathes God's self. Now, that's different than all of the other creation narratives. In almost all of the other creation narratives, human beings are like at the bottom of the totem pole. In the biblical Hebrew creation narrative, human beings are moved from the very bottom all the way to the top, right, if you're looking hierarchically, right underneath God. Human beings are created to be co-creators, partners with the divine. All the other creation narratives are like, no, no, no. You got the gods, and you got the sun, and you got the moon, and you got the animals, and you have the earth, and then you have these human beings down here. There's a complete 
reversal in this particular narrative. And then there's, I want to move to the passage that we started with in in the book of Job. I love the poetry of Job when Job says, now here's the thing about the divine. If the divine at any moment in time chose to hold breath, every man, woman, and child would die for lack of air. Now that is, keep in mind that Job is a poem, not necessarily making a theological statement, but I think poetically speaking, if we begin to wrap our mind around, oh wow, like I'm literally, like the breath I breathe in, it is is spirit infused, it is divine infused, it is God infused, however you want to look at it, it's kind of, that's why we started with that song this morning, breathe in life, when we breathe in, we breathe in the life of the divine, and we can breathe out death, and we can breathe out strife, and we breathe in peace, because peace and life and goodness and faith and grace and mercy, these are all things of a good and beautiful divine being, and we breathe that in. It's, it's actually how we were created, when the divine breathes life into our lungs. So what if we lived this way? What if we actually lived with an understanding that the life of the divine fills our lungs? What if we actually lived with an understanding that the life of the divine courses through our veins? I'm not saying that you and I ourselves are equal to God, but that the life of God courses through us, that we really are co-laborers, co-creators. We are in and of ourselves, God-like, Christ-like. Paul actually says this over and over again. In the book of Acts, uh, there's a passage in Acts 17, 28, which you might be familiar with, but Paul says, listen, you know that it is in Christ that we live and we move and we have our being. It's in Christ that you live. It's in Christ that you move. It's in Christ that all of your being exudes from Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, Listen to how the Apostle Paul says it here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, the mystery that I proclaim to you now is that Christ is in you. Christ in you is the mystery. Paul talks about the mystery of faith over and over and over again all throughout the New Testament. He says, here's what the mystery is. The mystery is that Christ is in you and you are in Christ. In Colossians 3.3, he says it like this. He says, you died and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Christ in glory. He's saying, listen, your, your life is hidden away in Christ, in God. This is how you live and you move and you have your being. So what happens at this day in Pentecost? This is, uh, here's how it happened in ancient Hebrew history. You might be familiar with the Exodus. The, the, when when the, the Israel, the people of Israel were enslaved in the nation, the country of Egypt. They were enslaved for 400 years. So you have the Jewish people who are slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And they're crying out to God, and they're crying out to God, and they're crying out to God. And then 
God sends Moses in this story, and Moses says to Pharaoh, let my people go. And then, you know, there's this whole thing about the plagues. <laughs> Somebody should write that as a question about the Christian faith. There's this whole thing about the plagues and how God does these really weird things. But then the people are set free from Picture this. Slaves in bondage, forced labor, finally set free. When they are set free, they move out of Egypt. They go into the desert. And then there comes, or, or I'm sorry, before we get there. No, they're set free on the night where the night that, that God says, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to share a meal together. This is important. We're going to share a meal together. We're going to, I want you to slaughter a lamb. Put the lamb on the blood, uh, put the blood on the post of your door, and then I'm going to come through and I will pass over those doors that have the blood on them, and then Pharaoh will know that I am God and he will let our people go. That was known as the Passover. The Passover takes place. They're set free from Egypt. They go out into the desert. Fifty days later, after the Passover, fifty days later, Moses is up on Mount Sinai. And Moses receives from Yahweh, from the divine God, that the, the Ten Commandments. And Moses comes down and says, here's the deal, basically. I struck a deal with God. Here's these ten rules. God says, if we keep these rules, you know, we, we obey these rules, then God takes care of us, and we're God's people, and this kind of thing. It's kind of a, it seems kind of quid pro quo-ish. But this is what happens 50 days after the Passover. Boom, they get the laws. That day was known in the Hebrew culture as, a, a, it became a holiday known as Shabbat. S-H-A-B-U-O-T. Huh? We celebrated last night with the Jews. You did? Yeah, we had Jewish kids. Oh, huh. how did they pronounce it? Also, depending on what website you go to and click on their microphone, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it differs all across the board. Here's the thing. That's 50 days after Passover. So from that point on, Jewish men and women would celebrate. They would celebrate the Passover. 50 days later, they would celebrate this day, Shabbat, which is the day that the law is given. This is the day that God makes a covenant with his people. Last night, Phil and Christian celebrated it with some Jewish friends of theirs because it's still celebrated 50 days later. Fast forward now. Jesus, the Christ, comes, walks the earth some 2,000 years ago, which would have been some 3,000 years after the Exodus. And in the story of Jesus, here's what we have. Jesus shares the Passover as a good Jewish man would with his friends. They share, the, they share this meal together. Jesus, a couple days later, goes to the cross. Jesus is crucified on the cross. A few days later, Jesus, or what happens on the cross is Jesus takes on humanity. He takes on evil and takes on darkness and takes on death. A few days later, Jesus comes back from the dead. In that moment, Jesus is... God is conquering death. The biggest enemy against humanity is evil, darkness, oppression, ultimately death. 
It's kind of like the, the final word or the last nail in the coffin, so to speak. But Jesus, coming back from the dead, conquered death. He's like, that's not the last word. It's not the last nail in the coffin. Matter of fact, it's, it's, it's not the end. Then Jesus says, he walks the earth for about 40 days, according to the scripture. And it says that then Jesus pulls his disciples together, and he says to his disciples, now here's the thing. We celebrated Passover. I went to the cross. You saw me dead. I came back to life. You've seen me for the last 40 days. We've been eating meals together. I want you to know that death is not the last word. It's, it's not the end. Evil is not the last word. Oppression is not the last word. Darkness is not the last word. Light and love and freedom and mercy and grace, these are the last words, and they will go on forever. But now, for now, I'm going to go back to that heavenly space. We talked about it last week. It's not just some far-off weird thing, but like it's, it's dimensional, maybe. I'm going back to that heavenly dimension. And while, when I go, I want you to wait. I'm going to send you power from that heavenly space. And when you receive that power, here's what I want you to do. I want you to work together to see heaven brought to earth here and now. I want you to work together through the power of that what I send you to see the ways of God practiced on the earth here and now. Jesus ascends, walks off, flies up, I don't know. Ten days later, good Jewish boys and girls would have been celebrating Shabbat, the Jewish holiday, the Jewish festival, 50 days after Passover, when God gives the law, when God makes his covenant with the people. So, it wasn't by chance that the upper room text that we're about to read happened. You have to understand that the Jewish men and women, 50 days after the Passover, they were all together in a room. They were hanging out. They were celebrating a festival. That's why they were together. They were celebrating. They were remembering God set our, our people free from slavery. God set our people free from darkness. God gave us uh, the law, Ten Commandments. God promised to be our God and we would be his people. And he gave us a particular way to live. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Shabbat came, they were all together in one place. And as they were together, suddenly a sound like a, a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the place where they were. And then they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire separated that came to rest on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, some God-fearing Jews. There were other God-fearing Jews in the area uh, because they were all there to celebrate this particular festival. And when they heard the sound, what sounded like roaring wind or something, they all got a little nervous. But then they each began to hear something spoken in their own tongue. I'll unpack that in a minute. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these uh, men who are speaking, aren't they Galileans? Then how is it that they know our native language? Uh, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, and some other ones that I can't pronounce. And they say, you know, we hear all these people declaring the words of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does it mean? 
Maybe these guys are just drunk. Maybe they, they had too much wine. To which Peter stands up and says, no, 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 no. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They haven't had too much wine. What they've experienced is the power of the Holy Spirit, which has filled them. And now they're telling you the things of the Christ, the things of Jesus. So all these Jewish people are in Jerusalem to celebrate this holiday. And they speak all these different languages because they all have their different dialects and they're different from different parts of the region. But there was a smaller group, maybe a group, you know, they, they said 120, so it was a few more than us. And they're hanging out in a room like this. And it says that at that moment, the Spirit of God, I don't even know how else to explain it, but the Spirit of God comes in like fresh power. It's kind of like this, it's this thing because we already, we have within us the breath and life of God. But there must have been some way been an awakening. And maybe maybe more. I, I, I kind of believe that there's always more to be had of God. If God is really God-like, then God could never really be contained. So maybe there's always more of God to be had. But it says that they were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and that they began to speak in other tongues. And what happened is they're actually, so like it would be like all of a sudden, the United Nations is taking place out, outside. There's, there's a giant gathering, and Ryan, who only knows English, is all of a sudden speaking Japanese, and, 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 and uh, Lauren is speaking German, and, and Cindy is speaking French, and like I, they had never learned this language. Apparently, that's the kind of tongues they're talking about. And they go out, and the people are like, wait a minute, I, they can understand the words that are being spoken in their own tongue. And it says that they were drawn to faith by that. Even more importantly, in this understanding of Pentecost, is what God is doing on the grand scale. There was once a time where you were bound to God by law. There was once a time where you listened, you believed, and then you did those things, those ten things. But what Jesus is saying and what the Spirit is saying and what God is saying is, listen, that is the old covenant. There's something brand new that's happening. Now, you're not bound by a certain set of rules. You're not bound by a certain set of laws. Instead, what I want to give you is the spirit of life. I want to fill you fresh with my life. I want the spirit within you to come alive, to come awake. And I want you to learn how to live lives of literally cooperating with the spirit of God that dwells within you. People tell me all the time, how do I make this decision? How do I ebb and flow? And how do I do this? How? And I tell people often, I'm like, you, you, you have everything you need of God on the inside. Follow your heart. Follow your gut. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying within you. Not necessarily following your emotions, not following uh, your, 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 um, your, your, Spirit of God that lives and dwells within you. What is the Spirit of God saying? What does it look like to learn to cooperate with God? Now, God isn't going to go against what God had already spoken. I think the Ten Commandments are beautiful because it says things like, hey, don't kill each other. Okay? Spirit's not going to lead you down a path that contradicts that. Matter of fact, Jesus kind of raised the bar on that. Jesus said, not only do I not want you to not kill each other, I want you to even not hate each other. <laughs> like, like, I'm saying to you, love your enemies. So uh, we're going we're gonna to go a bit above and beyond 
the Ten Commandments. But that's what happens when we start to follow the Spirit. In Galatians, Paul says this. He says, listen, the fruit of the Spirit, if you've ever wondered about this, the fruit of the Spirit is, and what he's saying is, evidence of the Spirit of God in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. He says, these are the kinds of things that the Spirit of God births within you. If it's not love, it's not love. If it's not leading us in the ways of kindness and goodness and mercy, then it's not God. Because Paul says, listen, that's what the Spirit is. That's what it looks like. There's a, there's a new way of living that is available. It's what's happening right here. There's a new way of living that becomes available to us as, as human beings, and it's not bound by right and wrong. It's not bound by, by rules and laws. It's, it's, it's a life that is tethered to the spirit of the living God, breathing in God, allowing God to change us, to shape us, to form us. We should always, always be expanding. We should always be growing in our love. We should always be growing in our, um, uh, how would I say that? It, we should always be growing in the way of becoming less judgmental and more open and more merciful. Always moving in the ways of God. Read how Jesus does his mercy. I'm, 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 I'm regularly amazed by Jesus at how little he talks to people about, about their sins so much and how much he really talks to them about, hey, just get in, get in on the things of love and it'll lead you. find yourself not desiring negative patterns and not desiring all these kinds of things because you're experiencing more life along the way. To close that, Jesus says in the book of Luke, he says, now listen, here's what I'm telling you. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you're going to find. Knock, the door will be open to you. Do not feel the need to bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. It's not, a cat, uh, it's not a cat and mouse hide and seek game that you're in. So if your child were to ask for fish, a serving of fish, do you scare your child and put a snake on their plate? Or if, you're, if your child were to ask for an egg, do you trick your child and give them a spider? No, that's insane, Jesus says. That's dumb. You would never, that would not, I don't know if Jesus actually used dumb. I don't know what the Greek word for dumb is, but... But that's, Jesus says, no. He says, and listen, you guys aren't even the best of the best, and yet you would only do what's best for your kids. He's like, then how much more do you think that the one in heaven who loves you would do good by you? I mean, you've been conceived in love by the divine. So listen, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, God's giving you the Holy Spirit. God's not withholding it. Want you to engage in this and, and experience it. So it, it's kind of like I find myself. This is how it works in my life, but it's just regularly 
I ask, Holy Spirit, come. I need you. I need you. Grace. And honestly, when I pray a prayer like, Holy Spirit, come, I'm of the mind that the Holy Spirit's always present. Um, I, when we light the candle each week, and we say, this represents the presence of God that's already here. But for me, I have found in my own, my own human capacity is that God's always present, but I'm not. I just, I don't find that I'm always present to life. So for me, the words, come Holy Spirit, fill me Holy Spirit, it's, it's, it's more to do with my cooperating with what God already wants to do and maybe even already what God is doing. It's, it's a very tangible way for me to find myself present. And so this is a very common prayer for me throughout the week, throughout the day, come Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, Fill me with your presence. I actually take, um, you know, when I walk back and forth to the CC's down the street from my house, I use that as a time not to listen to podcasts, not to listen to music, but to actually concentrate on my breathing. The whole way, it's about seven blocks. But it's time for me to concentrate on breathing in life, breathing in God, breathing out strife and stress. It's a, it's a, it's a very bodily because I think I believe what Jesus says. Hey, listen, if you ask, do you think that God won't give? But then it's a faith thing. I was talking to somebody this morning. They're like, maybe, but I don't really feel it. Yeah, I totally get it. I totally get it. But I do think this is where faith comes in. It's like, you know what? I, personally, believe this stuff. I believe that God's in the business of transforming me a more merciful person, a more peaceful person, a more gracious person. So I receive that presence of God by faith. Some days I do feel it more. I feel more peace than others. But you know what? I just keep going with it because Jesus said, if you want, ask. God's going to give you. So today, I want to I would like for us to worship with one more song and spend a moment before we walk out of here just reflecting on this and, and asking God if you find yourself today in a position where you need rest, you need peace, you need comfort, you need wisdom, you need healing. need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. <laughs> God, I need more of you. That's what we need. So I'm going to pick the guitar back up. I'm going to give us a minute to reflect on that. And you can sit or stand, just meditate on the words that we sing as we do this. So, Lord, may we know you in these moments. May the words on the paper become a reality in our lives. May what we imagine could be true, may it become very tangible and real in this space and place. 
Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. We ask that you would fill us as a community of faith that we might experience the realness of your presence. 